to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, transit, adventures, and life hacks, and today, a recumbent ride across America. Welcome to the studio. Today we have Robert Weaver, who's joining us fresh off his journey from a bike ride across the land. Welcome, Robert. Thank you. Glad to be here. Delighted to be here, actually. What a beautiful day in Portland it's been. Yeah. Yeah. uh, The weather is getting a little bit cooler, but it's like just the right amount of cool. Yeah. It's really nice. Last few days riding up the coast on the Trans Am bike route was was like this. And uh, just, just beautiful. Did you happen to see a, uh, a Tim Mooney on your way headed, oh, yeah. headed northbound? <laughs> I did not. Okay. <laughs> Gentleman on a uh, green Navarro. I did not. Okay. <laughs> I did not happen to run into Tim. Like chickens, <laughs> chickens in the mist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, wonderful. We're very happy to have you here today. Thank you. Great yeah. to be here. Uh, so, it's fall in Portland, and that means it's rain weather. It is. How are, you, how are you dealing with the rain? The rain, I, I'd say I'm doing okay. Um, in comparison to, it feels like, falls previously, it's actually quite good for this part of year. Uh, part of the year, I'd say. It's a, what, what was it two weeks ago now? Maybe a week and a half we had a pretty good storm. But yeah. this past week has been relatively smooth sailing. It's rained usually overnight. Yes. Usually yes. When, when none of us are out on the street. Just enough that when I'm getting on my bike at 8.30 in the morning to go to work, it's like, oh, yes, it did that thing. Right. But I was not present for this event. I realize like, that's what that's what fenders are really for. Yeah. It's not so much while it's raining. I mean, while it's raining, it's great, but uh, all the stuff that's accumulated on the ground Indeed. coming up off your wheels. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been having any rain excursions? Uh, you know, a little bit of rain, but surprisingly... Um, when I think about the whole trip across the country and uh, the four months that I was on the bike, only about six days were uh, was it actually raining uh, enough where you know I had to keep the rain gear on. Okay. And uh, I, I also have fenders because uh, on a recumbent in particular, because you're sitting back. Uh, if you don't, the, the the water from the front tire just comes right up and just pools right in your lap. Oh, yeah. Oh. So, I mean, it's a mess if <laughs> so, you don't have fenders. You're right. <laughs> and so uh, on a recumbent as well, are you a, are you a part of the poncho club or a, a part of the rain the regular rain gear club? I, I, I go for the rain gear. Okay. Yeah. Because I know yeah. that that's a thing among the recumbent community. There's, right, there's right. been many a heated debate. <laughs> <About> oh, really? <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've, um, the, the rain cape and the, uh, yeah, the standard Yeah, because you're gear? just at a completely different angle. A lot of conventional types of uh, rain protection seem to not quite do it for some folks. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is trickier, but I, I've gone with the traditional, more traditional rain gear approach. Excellent. And so, would you would you advise that? I mean, it worked great for me. Excellent. But again, I didn't have to ride that much. You know, if I'd had to ride a week in the rain, maybe I would have changed my mind. I don't okay. know, but <laughs> Yeah. So, so is Portland living up to its its rainy name or has has, you know, has it no, been okay so far? No, because uh I mean, yesterday I was uh headed into Astoria and there was some rain around and it uh it spit a little bit, but uh not bad at all. 
I got caught in a little bit of the storm that you talked about that came through here a week and a half ago, mm -hmm. but I was down south a little bit, and so we kind of just got the edge of that, uh, headed over to the coast. And so, um, yeah, it hasn't been that bad. Nice. That's good to hear. So, so were you touring with other people as well? No, or? I did it oh, solo. Okay. okay. Did it solo. I say I, we. I hear we. And I, I say we because you meet people on the Trans Am sure. route that are doing the same ride, and you end up staying at the same places some of the time. Uh, and there was a really cool couple from New Zealand uh, who actually spent six years touring. Anyway, really interesting folks, but they were riding the Trans Am, and we ended up staying same place we didn't ride together during the day for sure, sure but so when i say we you end up in the, the other places. yeah the other right. cyclists that are part, doing of, part the of the community exactly nice exactly yeah that's never i haven't done any any like long across america trips yet uh <laughs> but i haven't i haven't done that thing where you you end up sort of leapfrogging or catching yeah. up to people yeah uh, mm -hmm. on yeah my tours it's great it's a it's a great community of of people that uh yeah, I mean we're we're lifelong friends now, mm. and uh, it's really cool. Nice. What was the what was the impetus for your trip? How did you how did you figure you know, on getting started? I just wanted to see uh, two things. Could I do it? I'm, I'm 56, and I've always kind of wanted to do a, a long trip like that. So could I do it? Um, and two, I'm also a life coach, and I thought you know. I should try to use some of the techniques on myself that I use on my clients hmm. and see if they really work. Okay. Uh, and, you know, could I could I coach myself over the Appalachians, for example? Uh, okay. <laughs> when you run into issues on the, on the trail, which you do, uh, and it's not just about the physical strength that you might have or that you might develop on the trip, but I found that it's more about the mental and emotional will sure. to, to keep going uh, when you're tired and, you know. And I imagine when you're doing thing. it alone, you don't have somebody there to, like, kind of, like, coach you through it as exactly. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah, don't have or... as much encouragement. So that was part of it for me. It's like, okay, can I just do this thing and uh, and coach myself through it? And uh, so, yeah, that was great experience, actually. Nice. Did you find did you find it was similar to what you thought it would be in terms of like the coaching and, and sort of psyching yourself out versus sending that energy towards somebody else or it was or? harder. Okay. It was harder. Yeah, than I thought it would be. Okay. Yeah. Part of it was uh and, and you mentioned this earlier, Aaron, the the difference between a traditional bike and a recumbent. So on a traditional bike, which I've ridden quite a bit and done quite a bit of mountain biking, it seemed like if I took two, three, four, or five months off the bike, and I'd get back on it again. Within a week or so, my legs were under me, and it's like I had the muscle memory for that, right? Sure. And so I kind of assumed the same thing would happen with a recumbent. It does not. It does not at all. Huh. It's <laughs> completely different muscles. And so I, I mentioned earlier that I, uh, I spent a week on this bike before I shipped it to Yorktown. Oh, right. Uh, and you, you mentioned... I mean, an hour. Yeah. I spent an hour, so... Uh, an hour on the bike, shipped it to Yorktown, and I'm thinking, okay, 50, 60 miles a day average, no big deal. I've done that before. My legs will be under me in a week or so. Okay. And it'll be fine, right? So I get loaded up and start out, and, man, that's not what happened at all. It was no. much more difficult. Hmm. It took me about six weeks, actually, to to really oh, get wow. the, the new muscles built sure. um, to, you know, to actually, for me, the the kind of the threshold on that is to come up over a hill and feel like I want to pedal down 
my legs feel good enough to pedal down. Oh, as that, opposed to just like, like I gotta to coast up, this because yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm done already. I've got already. another hill coming. Yeah. And I'm tired, and I've got to get rested for that hill. Mm-hmm. That's the threshold for me that says, yeah. "Hey, all right, my legs are really under me now when I come up over that hill, and I want to pedal down and just mm. hit the next uphill and go." You know, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, how did you deal with that? Like with such a unfamiliar, um, uh, I guess, uh, mechanics body mechanics but in the meantime like knowing like well i'm i'm going across america with this like was there a point where you thought like well forget it i'm screwing in the towel or i'm just throwing in the towel i, I actually this. thought or about it you... i actually yeah. thought about it. i okay. thought about actually dumping the recumbent and going back to a traditional bike oh wow uh just because it was so hard and it took so long to actually get my legs under me uh but as i began to talk to a few friends they were all like Rob, you gotta you gotta at least expect you know a thousand miles to really build the new recumbent legs. Oh, Interesting. Dang. So, so, so it's that much so, of a difference. Yeah, then. yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. So they were just like, you're you're just getting started, <laughs> you know. So just hang in there, right? And, and you'll make it, you know. And sure enough, and maybe right. by the time you hit the other coast, you'll have <laughs> yeah, you'll have yeah, all yeah. that muscle. You, you've got like you know two thousand miles to play with there. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. funny. So, so it was tough. And then, of course, I made some rookie mistakes. I started out with way too much gear. Which, uh, which, even yeah. veterans make that mistake. Well, yeah. <laughs> but on a recumbent, it, it, it's more significant, the weight, because on hills, you can't get over your pedals. You can't use your weight yeah. to, to Oh, climb. snap. Yeah. So, so it's all about the strength in your legs. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so yeah, you can't even, even like rock the frame back no, and forth to help you. Really you really don't yeah. even use your upper body much at all. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. it's just all legs. And so, I mean, I started out with just way too much weight. <laughs> um, and so, in the first month, uh, as I figured out, okay, I really don't need this. I really don't need that. I shipped at least twenty five pounds of stuff home. Nice. What was the um, first thing you you got rid of? It was like this um, is this is totally unnecessary. Well, I had too much clothes for okay. one thing. Way too many clothes. That happens um, even on weekend trips for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just I might need, need this sweater and this sweater. You just don't need all the clothes. <laughs> yeah. You know that you think uh, you're going to have. I I started out with a, a three man tent. Ended up uh, eventually going to a one man tent. Okay. Uh, there's a so really loud. I, I I decided when I started I wasn't going to compromise on safety, so I wanted to make sure that I could be seen and heard. That makes sense. And mm-hmm. So there's this company that puts out this horn. I think it's called the Loud Bicycle Horn. Anyway, it's, yep. it's big. You know it this? Sounds like a car I feel horn. like I've seen this. It yeah, it's like a car horn. I mean, it's really loud. I loved it. it. You know, but it was like two and a half, three pounds. Oh yeah. And so eventually, you know, once Hopefully. I got through Missouri, it actually scared the dogs. Oh nice. Uh, oh yeah. So which K- you Kentucky, might want. Yeah. Kentucky is a big issue with dogs yeah um uh, they're kind of notorious for not being notorious. easy to bike through right yeah. right 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 in fact uh you know the race that they run the unsupported race which started june one yeah i started june 11 going the opposite direction so we were meeting some racers <laughs> okay and three yeah, of yeah. the three of the lead racers actually got bit in kentucky oh, wow. uh and and so we would meet these guys and they you know one guy actually pulled off on the other side of the road to me and said, stop, stop, stop. You know, this is right as I was heading into Kentucky. Uh-huh. And uh, he says, here. And he gave me his can of halt. He said, you, you're going to need this in Kentucky. <laughs> oh, oh is this like dog mace? Yeah, it's like okay. dog mace. Oh, wow. Um, because anyway, these riders got bit. So, but my horn seemed to scare them off because it sounded like a car. And uh-huh. so anyway, once I got through Kentucky, the, the horn went. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a heavy sleeping bag. I started out with a hammock and the tent. 
because I had big visions of you know the hammock's great because you can just string it up and no hassle to set up. Sure. sure. But anyway, the hammock ended up going. Ah. Uh, so <laughs> what made you decide to go from a three person to down to a one person? Well, it was, it was lighter. So okay. the three yeah. person tent was like four pounds. The one person is two pounds. Um, and, and then, um, when I initially started out, I had on a recumbent and, and at some point I can show you some pictures, but on a recumbent, you typically put panniers under the seat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. Okay. And you can also put them on the back. So I had a rack on the back. I had panniers on the back and then also under the seat. And uh, I decided, you know, to get as light as possible, I would get rid of the, the rear panniers and the rear rack. Uh, and the one-man tent would actually fit inside the the panniers that were uh, underneath the seat. Oh, okay. If I wanted to do that. Now, I ended up just, just putting them in a dry sack and, and stacking them on the, on the sides, but uh, along with the food bag on the other side. But so I got it down to about as light you know, as you could, you could go mm-hmm. for a trip like that, kind of minimal. And did you find for the one person tent, you still have the ability to bring your equipment in with I you did. that you wanted? Okay. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I that's always bring, been, I could bring everything in, uh, except the bike, of course, but nice. everything else could be inside the tent. And, uh, and so that worked out, that worked out great. Nice. Yeah. Do you, um, cause that was basically my, my always problem has been if you go down to one person, I've always had trouble fitting everything, but I also, I get, I travel pretty heavy in Do terms you? of <laughs> yeah. uh, cycling goes. So yeah, I think the first thing I sent back on my trip in 2015 was a um, camera jib, which was used approximately <laughs> oh, zero yeah. times, but, but did make it down to California from Oregon. So oh, there you go. Good, good for it. But, yeah. 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 But you never knew. Like I never you, knew. You could have used that camera. Jib I can tell you if, if you if you ride down the coast, I can show you every single spot. I said, "Gee, I should really do something here," and just kept riding fast because <laughs> yeah, yeah, because um, you, you had momentum. Exactly. Yeah, okay. basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, grand visions. I can identify there. Well, and you don't really know what you're going to need. I mean, I you you just envision yourself needing all these different things. Like I started out with this big, heavy Leatherman knife. You know, multi-tool, all kinds of sure. stuff. And uh, I don't know, three, four weeks in, I'm like, you know, I've hardly used most of the tools on here. So uh, anyway, I went down to a much smaller Swiss, you mm-hmm. know, army knife that was uh, did everything I needed to, but was much lighter. Sure. So stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You just kind of slowly get rid of things. Um, nice. One of the first mistakes I ever made on a overnight, it was like a two-nighter. I brought all the groceries that I was going to use mm-hmm. with me, nice. which for a two-nighter is not bad. Yeah, you're, but, you're like, oh, I can sling it. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but like, come, you know, you you're gonna stop. You're gonna stop like for snacks, or you're gonna stop for whatever. Like, there's plenty of opportunities to like grab to whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. tortillas. Or, yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. Did you find so like in terms of the coaching or, or mentally? Did you feel that there was a, a point or, or sort of a pivot along the trip where things started to get easier? Or did you have, you know, some days that were on or some days that were off in terms of, you know, continuing forward with that journey? Once I kind of got, um, it, really the first three to four weeks were the toughest part as far as the, the mental and emotional piece ah. of it. Uh, because, again, I had sort of this expectation and this picture of, how it was going to be because based on my past writing experiences and it was not like that at all. And so I was really frustrated because I wasn't doing quite the average miles every day Mm -hmm. and I I was working my tail off. Um, 
you know, it would take me, I'd be getting into the, to the uh, place we were staying for the night. Because uh, along the map, as, as you may know, they've got hostels or churches that open their doors or, or city campgrounds. And so typically if I might be riding with somebody, we'd say, hey, you know, we're going here today. Well, they might get in there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, I'm straggling in there at 5 o'clock. You mm-hmm. know? So I've okay. spent three more hours on the road, mm-hmm. covered sure. the same distance, just because I don't have my legs under me. Right. Um, right. And so so that was so challenging. But then once I kind of got about that first month or so under my belt, um, it, it got a lot easier. Um, was there a time where you like were adjusting like how far you were going in a day or or was it like I'm doing these miles per day regardless of how long it's going to take me? I pretty much stuck with these miles per day okay. and, you know, I'm going to do it. Now, I did take rest days uh, and as I as I begin to ride more, I realized that those are really important, especially when you're building muscle. You need sure. to take a rest day and let your legs, yeah. you know, kind of recharge. Sure. Um, initially, I thought, oh, I don't need to do that. But, yeah, it really is important uh, to do those rest days. But... Uh, you know, one of the strategies that I used was a really simple one, which is you kind of set these little little short goals. So going up an Appalachian Mountain, and I would look just 100 yards up and find a, a marker by the side of the road or a shadow of a tree and just say to myself, can I make it to that okay. yeah. spot? Well, yeah, I think I can ride another hundred mm-hmm. yards in granny you know uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, when i'd get there i would imagine you know applause in my head and then uh, pick another spot you know can i go another hundred yards or 50 yards or whatever yeah. it was yeah. and uh, or can i make it around that corner mm-hmm. uh yeah i can make it ar- so you just kind of do that and pretty soon guess what you're you're at the yeah, top you absolutely know? uh and so that was really a helpful strategy as uh-huh. far as just my own psychology um getting up getting up the hill yeah yeah that's always my strategy getting up a hill if i can just make it to this thing yeah okay Mm -hmm. yeah well if i've made it here now i can make it to there yeah it's a good strategy it really works well in the in the in the bad days you do it every 10 feet in the good days (laughs) you do it every (laughs) every hundred whatever it takes whatever it takes (laughs) you know whatever you think you can get to just picking that mark um yeah what about where in the route did you really feel like okay I've got my legs now. I've I've made my stride. Things are finally making sense. I mean, pretty much when I when I got to the Ozarks, I started feeling quite a bit stronger, and that's uh-huh. when I started coming over. You know, believe it or not, it, it sounds weird to say this, but uh, the the Trans Am route is divided up into twelve maps, basically, and each map is three fifty to four hundred miles. Okay, um, and uh, the the map that goes from Pueblo, Colorado to Rollins, Wyoming, which covers the Rockies, you would think, well, that's that's the big hills, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. That's the mountains, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's it's the only, divide, that's only right? 23,000 yeah. feet of climbing. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, just going, the map that goes through the Missouri Ozarks yeah, I was gonna is 25,000 feet of uh, climbing. Yep. And uh, the map, the, the first two maps of the route... Uh, through Kentucky and uh, Virginia, the Appalachians. Kentucky and the Appalachians, it's sixty thousand oh, feet geez. of climbing. So, so you know, is you there got like a little warning sign in the ACA that, that says, "By <laughs> the way, don't <laughs> underestimate this"? No, there's not. I mean, and that was one of the funniest things that happened to us. Uh, it was both us and I was I was riding with the uh, the folks from New Zealand on that particular day. We were coming towards Pueblo, 
and this is Kansas, so it's been flat, right? Right. Uh, and we met four people that were coming the opposite direction, and we kind of said to them, "Hey, prepare yourself because you got the the Ozarks and and the mm-hmm. Appalachians." Oh no, we've been through the Rockies, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. And we're like, no, 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 really, you got some big hills sure. coming, you know, lots of climbing <laughs> coming. Um, and then come to find out, uh, there's some research out there that people who go west to east are less likely to finish than people because who they go, hit because of, because yeah. of that. Yeah. So you go through yeah, the Cascades right. and then you go through the Rockies and then you hit Kansas. You think, I got this. This I is can a do this. breeze, yep. right? And you go across Kansas, most likely with the tailwind because uh-huh. the, the winds blow uh-huh. that way, right? And then you hit the Missouri, uh, you know, the Ozarks, and uh, hmm. the Ozarks are not super tall but they're very steep hmm. and i mean you just come over one and it's right back down and up another one mm-hmm. and they're steep uh and then the appalachians of course are taller and longer and and fairly steep mm-hmm. whereas the rockies most of them maybe six eight percent grade yeah you might yeah. do that for three hours but it's definitely rideable sure right and so uh anyway hmm. um but yeah, once I got to Missouri, I felt like I really kind of had, and by that point, I had gotten uh, quite a bit lighter, uh-huh. and my legs were stronger, and so uh, ended up going through the Ozarks in about five days, which was was really hot at that point in time, and uh, that was I was pretty happy with with that progress mm-hmm. through the Ozarks. So, and, and so you mentioned um, building the muscle mass for that. Was there a particular reason that you chose to do a recumbent over? You well, know, a different more, style of bicycle. It's more comfortable. Okay, uh, so it's comfort for, based. For one, the comfort, and then also, you you can see better. You can, your your eyes are up. You're not looking down at the pavement. It was kind of ah, funny because okay. because uh, a lot of days, you know, like I said, I would I would spend the night and then ride to the next location with somebody else on a traditional bike, right? And they would ride the same path, and so uh, that evening we might be chatting, and they'd say, "Hey, did you see that snake by the side of the road?" No, I didn't see it because because <laughs> they're they're looking down, yeah, yeah. right? Okay. I'm looking up, and so, yep. no, I didn't see this. That's snake, interesting because you know? <laughs> it, it seems counterintuitive to me. Yeah, that like you know, I'd be up on an upright bike, I'd be able to see you know a little bit more. I'd be higher, so to speak, than down yeah. kind of by the road. You but are it, higher. It makes, yeah. it makes sense when you explain it that you're. You know, when you're on a traditional bike, you're leaning forward. Right, you're, yeah, right. You're down and, and you have to have to actually <clears throat> tilt your neck back to mm-hmm. be sure. able to see up. Whereas on the recumbent, you're just naturally, you know, looking up. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah. so that was good about it. I mean, the only the only thing I would say the disadvantage of the recumbent is the hills. You, you just it's just tougher to climb the hills. Uh. Did you find on descents though that you were like? getting out faster than folks because i know that's always been uh, a good friend of mine read that same route in 2014 except okay. the other direction the other direction yeah and he was saying yeah. he really enjoyed that aspect about the recumbent is that if you were riding in a pack you know you might struggle and, and be behind on the hills but when you go for the descent the you can descent, just yeah squeeze no, on it, by it's, it's faster on the descent and a lot of times on the flat uh as well especially if there's a little headwind or something uh because you're you're a little more aerodynamic on the recumbent oh. um than you are on a traditional bike. Nice. So. Would you have um, any advice for listeners looking to get into recumbent cycling and in terms of a lesson that you learned or something that you wish you'd have known starting out? Well, one thing is uh, for touring, for sure, the lower you keep the weight, the better. Okay. Um, especially the, the recumbent I rode is what they call a high racer recumbent. So uh, the, front, the front wheel is a 26-inch wheel and the rear wheel is a 26-inch wheel. A lot of recumbents 
might have a 26 in in front and a 20 okay. uh, I mean a 26 in back and a 20 in front hmm. um, and so those tend to be a little more stable but a, a high racer is very is very responsive the wheelbase is is a little shorter than uh, some of the some of the other ones um, and so keeping your weight low is super important okay uh, and not only low but like low on the bike so center of gravity okay. yeah yeah the center of gravity gotcha. is really is really a big issue uh on that and i, I didn't really that took me a while to really realize oh guess what if you take that weight off and you put it down here the bike handles so much better it's okay. so much yeah. easier to get up a hill you know in granny especially if you're struggling a little bit and to keep it going straight uh because the center of gravity is different, mm-hmm. the way you balance it is completely different um, than a traditional bike, and so it, there's a little bit of a learning curve there. Okay. Um, so yeah. Do you? Um, and I, I often ask people who do long tours. This is: Did you ever play the pannier game where you, you you sort of keep a point system where if you guess correctly which pannier you last stored something and you gain <laughs> a, you gain a yes. point, and if you guess incorrectly you lose a point? Did that ever come up along y- well, yourself or other ever, riders? I, that's a great idea to make it a game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you're sitting there I, in I misery, about that. <laughs> wondering why you opened up the wrong rain yeah. pouch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yes, because because I kept repacking and and redistributing and sending stuff home and you know actually when i got to the rockies i didn't quite have the uh the the warm weather i mean the cold weather gear Mm -hmm. that i really needed so i ended up picking up a few more things there and sending some other things home at that point okay and so yeah so it, it would take about a week or so to really kind of get you know, okay, yeah, I know exactly where that is or where that mm-hmm. is, and, and find it in the pannier quickly. Um, but after that sort of repacking in the Rockies, it it pretty much stayed the same, and I kind of had it down to where I just knew where everything went and where it was, <laughs> and, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it all like falls nice. into place. Yeah, up until that point, no, it was constantly, yeah, and I'm like. Oh, where did I put that? I don't yeah, know. I've still, I've still <laughs> never figured that yeah. system out. It's like, oh, like first thing you do, set up the tent, and then just open every pannier and dump it all. And out. dump it all. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, but oh, I mean, if you went on a longer tour, you'd, you'd get He'd it figure down. it out. Yeah, yeah, you would, you would, you would. <laughs> so, so on that route, was there anything that struck you particularly? Did you have a sort of favorite spot or, or things that you'd suggest others would would give an eye towards if they do similar? <laughs> Well, I was quite surprised. Um, there were some, I guess, towns that were surprising to me, um, kind of cool towns. Uh, one was in Missouri, Farmington, Missouri. Uh, just kind of a cool little town. Um, the uh, There was a guy there who was really into cycling, and uh, so he set up a hostel there okay. that they have for cyclists. It's really nice, um, and it's right downtown. Um, and, uh, I think he's already passed on, but, uh, it's still there, it's still funded and, uh, just a great little spot. And the town was cool. It was kind of right downtown. There were some good restaurants there and, you know, just out here in, in, in the middle of the Ozark. So, Mm -hmm. uh, the other town that was really surprising was Lander, Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, again, just a cool little town, um, and uh, very, very cyclist-friendly, okay. a lot of outdoor people, uh, kind of a, an art community there as well. And so uh, just a surprising, you know, place to mm-hmm. say, wow, uh, 
those are two towns I'd go back to and and just right spend on. time in just because ah. they're cool cool little towns that were un- unexpected. Okay, you know, nice. So yeah, awesome. Um, and so we mentioned you did yours from east to west versus west east, which everybody does. Right. If you were to do it again, would you go west to east or would you still? You know, it's weird because it never occurred to me to go the opposite direction. Hmm. Really? There's something in uh, everyone in, in America. Everyone I've talked to is like, you got to go west to east because you get the tailwinds through the plain yeah, states. Mm. Well, I I got lucky because I had a tailwind through most of Kansas. Oh, really? A couple of days, it was it was a little bit of a side, but, uh, you know, and, and uh, once I realized, you know... The uh, Adventure Cycling app shows wind direction, and there's a couple other places you can check to see wind direction. And so as I started into Kansas and realized that I had a tailwind and how unusual that is, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just kept going. Just go. I did bigger miles. I'm like, man, I'm going to go. You know, I got a tailwind. And and that was right about the point you were getting acclimated to. Yeah, exactly. So you were able to do that. I was feeling much stronger. uh, And and so, but... uh, there's something in the American psyche that is go west. Sure. And so, so that's why it just never occurred to me to ride it the other way, even though I was kind of aware that when they set up the Trans Am and the race goes the other way mm-hmm. because of the winds. Um, Interesting. So it was just always, for me, it was always, I'm going to start in, in the Atlantic uh, and, yeah. go, and go west. <laughs> Did you feel like a, a fish swimming sort of against the stream for most of it? Or no, were there, other there was riders? quite a few people okay. going, going west um, as well. And you know, I probably didn't meet more than a hundred riders going going east. That's all summer. Still quite a few. It's a, it is. I would say, it yeah. is. But you, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't know how many people were going west. When you look at the uh, one of the interesting things is there are a lot of places that you stay at where they have oh, yeah, cyclists the sign books. in. You know, yeah. the guest books. So you mm-hmm. can kind of see, you know, who which direction people are going. And so uh, I wouldn't say that that it was uh particularly you know weighted one way or the other i mean okay. it was it was fairly uh fairly evening uh, even um but actually for me the worst winds i had were when i got into oregon really huh. oh my word coming where, coming where into at? john uh coming into uh, baker baker oh. city one yep. day you I know mean, you know this. yeah i could see that it I could definitely was see that. horrendous uh the worst winds of the whole trip uh, I, I averaged that day once I got my legs under me and this doesn't sound very fast and it's really not, but my average speed was usually around 10 to 12 miles an hour. Loaded. You know, touring. loaded. That's, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad, but, um, that day I averaged five miles an hour. Mm. Uh, and I mean, it just took forever and it was cold and, uh, the wind was just, and, and on the recumbent, uh, especially when it's a side wind, um, it's some, and, and you're in granny gear mm-hmm. and you're going up a hill. It's hard to keep the bike balanced. Oh um, yeah. 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 And so, uh, again, you don't have that upper body to kind of compensate not as for much. That. Yeah. And so it's, it's really tough. So I ended up, uh, I might've walked about a mile of that because it was mm. so windy and I'd been fighting it, you know, so, mm-hmm. so hard that day that I thought, you know what, I'm just going to walk up this hill. <laughs> because and, the, and, and the tricky part of it was there's you know the road kind of goes up this little grade and there's places where you have a little bit of protection on the side mm-hmm. but then you'd come out of that and whoosh, yep. you know or oh, even in yeah. there it's it's swirling and it's coming from different directions anyway 
So the worst winds were, were uh, you know, <laughs> Baker I City, Oregon, which I didn't expect. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> having, having been through Baker City, I, I could definitely see yeah, how that yeah, would be. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it tends to be either quite hot or quite cold, sometimes in between in a very nice way. Right, but right, right. Yeah, when it's, when it's cold, it's cold. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was a tough, tough day ah. as far as the wind goes. Uh, one last thing about safety. Um, so recumbents tend to be, you're on a high racer, right? so, so maybe not quiet as, as low, but recumbents tend to be lower. Did mm-hmm, you ever mm-hmm. feel like you weren't as visible on the road or? No, I mean, part of it was, uh, and when you see the bike, you'll know it's, it's bright orange. Okay. So, so the bike itself was orange. The fenders were orange. Um, so the bike was pretty bright. And then, um, I got a, a spinner flag. Uh, that sticks up probably six or eight feet, uh-huh. uh, and it spins like this okay. behind the bike, so it's pretty visible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then the other thing I did, which made a huge difference, um, I had an American flag that I had upright when I started, and uh, cars were coming by me really close. Um, and I thought, you know, I wonder what would happen if I put that flag out to the side horizontally. Oh. Yep. And so I stuck it out horizontally. So it ended up sticking out about a foot and a half past me, past my panniers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pretty low, but people went around. Interesting. They, they didn't, you know, I enough. don't think they wanted yeah. to hit the flag. Most people respect the flag. And so they sure. didn't want to hit the flag, but they probably didn't want to scratch their car up either. <laughs> and so, so nobody actually scraped the flag the whole the whole route. Uh, yeah. Uh, even though some people got really close to it. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so that helped. Believe nice. it or not, yeah. I think there was somebody here in town who rode because in in Oregon it's three feet uh, passing law. I believe is still. it? Yeah, is it three or is it to go up to five? Maybe I might contest that. Yeah, I don't, okay. I don't. Is it think a law? We, I don't think we have that in California. It's three feet. Oh, okay. Um, it is in Kansas too. They it have, is. They okay. have, yeah, okay. they have a law in uh, Kansas for that. But, but last I knew, we don't actually have it. It says something to the effect of like. Uh, um, so that if you, if you feel like if, it, <laughs> well, t- a safe distance so that if the cyclist fell, it wouldn't fall into your path. Okay. Uh, but it doesn't. It doesn't give an actual measure. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, three feet's sort of just been the sort of the collective understanding. Okay. Gotcha. Because I feel like there was a guy in town, and I I don't recall his name right now, but he he had had that three feet or, or the, oh, what it yeah. was. Yeah. And it was like, all right, here, here it is. But it feels like with, you know, or the, the pool noodle. Yep. You know? yep yeah, exactly. Yeah. So some people, I guess not a form of protest for that space, but at least a, like, I'm definitely going to enforce yeah, this it, part of it. that. Space. Yeah. 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 Certainly. No, so that, I had a that actually people. was helpful for you because it really was. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it was really helpful. Um, and, uh, but again, even that foot and a half, I probably should have put it out further because a couple people, even here in Oregon, came by me yeah. just right by mm-hmm. there, and, uh, an RV actually I've, uh, coming up the coast. Oh, and it was yeah. like, whoa! I, could see that. Yeah. I found that like whatever whatever room you're allowed to, you're going to allow people to take, they'll take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, yeah. they kind of do. If you ride like way on the edge, uh, you know, just off the shoulder, like they'll pass you. With Still just close. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I've always found like try to ride that white line as much as I right, could. Right, right, yeah. right. Where did you cut into the coast on Oregon and then start riding up from? Uh, basically came in about uh, Pacific City. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That was so kind of the mi- first. midway-ish through the coast. Yeah. I mean, it was it was maybe 10 miles south of there where okay. we actually, I'm, try- I'm not remembering the name of the town, but... Uh, uh, 
it started kind of in Otis and came over mm-hmm. old the old scenic they called it old scenic yep. 101 yep. uh over towards cascade head there that, yeah yeah exactly okay and then hit hit the the highway there and started north at that point and uh yeah nice stopped was, at uh whatever cape uh cape loco no no uh right right just north cape kawanda okay pacific city great little campground there <coughs> nice little spot to hang out yeah uh, for i stayed there for the weekend so i was, I was just curious because uh, a little bit further down the coast on the aca coastal route there's a particularly fun section as far as rvs are concerned is that right yeah, oh, yeah. so i was curious <laughs> if it was in that spot that that had happened uh, no no it was further north okay <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah and so what are your plans here for Portland? Are you going to be hanging around for a few days? No, or? no. I'm going to head on back to te- Texas is where I'm from. Oh, okay. Uh, where at in Texas? Uh, Waco. Okay. Yeah, a little right between yeah. Austin and uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh-huh. Nice. And so going to head on back there. And i got some family that live here, though. And so uh, it was really great because they came out and a bunch of other folks, my kids came out and some friends from Seattle came down to meet me in Astoria uh, yesterday. That's cool. It was yeah. really fun. Yeah. Nice. A nice, a nice welcome yeah. uh, celebration. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Right on. Well, well thanks for coming over. I'm glad we could, Absolutely. we could have you in the studio. My pleasure. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have time to hang out with our uh, calendar and news and mail? Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Cool. Well, and with that, we'll move on to our calendar. <laughs> Please enjoy the airplane and or slash helicopter in the background, if you can hear it. Something's happening. Not quite sure. That is definitely a helicopter. Yep. (laughs) All right. Here we go. Helicopter aficionados, please feel (laughs) free to email us info or sparkapodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we don't get trains anymore. It's true. Now that we've moved locations. But we get helicopters. This is true. (laughs) Here we go. Don't, Don't ever use that. All right. First up, uh, like we said before, here in Portland, it's Biketober. Biketober. And uh, go ahead and sign up with your favorite ride uh, tracking app and track your miles. Compete against your coworkers and have your worksite compete against other worksites of similar size. Um, this is put on with put on by the Love to Ride people. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with them. They did I'm the, not super familiar uh, the with. Bike More Challenge yes, for September. Yes, I am familiar with that. Yeah, I figured okay. that. Um, uh, and not October 12th through the 22nd, also join us for uh, Cycle Palooza in San Antonio, Texas. Well, don't join us, but join San Antonio, <laughs> join Texas. Join San Antonio, yes. Please do. Yes. Um, October 15th, Endurance Bike Packing Stories from Around the World with Nathan Jones, who will be on the show soon as well excellent from october 20th through the 22nd we have freak bike fall and that you can join us for excellent (laughs) (laughs) many uh many events for uh bikes that are uh a little uh left of traditional sure well you've got to get you've got to get your rides in before it gets truly crummy here in portland Uh, October 26th through 28th is St. John's River to Sea Loop Summit and Trail Celebration, and that's in Dillon, Florida. And on November 18th, we have Crank's Giving. Yes. With special guest MCs. I'll let you guess. We'll just let you figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, December 1st, Pedal Shift turns 100, and there are a few 
couple uh, things happening around that. Um, and that will be at the Beer Mongers on Southeast Division and 12th. And I am ashamed to say we have not mentioned them yet. But this. we but we will now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> so if you're looking for a beverage and or just a great place to spend some time in Portland, the Beer Mongers at Southeast 12th and Division generously sponsor our show. Uh, this evening I'm having a Prince and Popper um, without too much additional information on the label. That uh, is the least yeah that is yeah. the least it's artistic very, well it's artistic in its own way but it, it is it's very minimal this is yeah. something i would i would draw as a, a three-year-old and be <laughs> proud and if i were a three-year-old and had my drawing on a can i would be darn proud too. yeah so yeah um it is a dry hopped grisette aaron over here is drinking some of our famous lionheart kombucha <laughs> that's the uh the alternate that's uh, the alternate you've been waiting to reveal the uh <laughs> So, uh, listeners of the show, you know how I've been pronouncing the name of this uh, kombucha. And uh, last week, it was hinted at there was an alternate uh, pronunciation. That's our whimsical for, lion. Uh, I see. <laughs> That's a uh, what is what is that? Uh, the sheepish lion. Oh What's yeah, his name? probably. Um, I can't remember. Now. Shucks. If yeah. you know, write a email to <laughs> email to the Sprocket Podcast at gmail dot com. I'll look it up there. <laughs> Um, next up, December 15th through 17th is bike craft here in Portland. All sorts of crafts being made and sold there at the bike farm. Indeed. And if you have a bicycle craft that you would like to sell, get in touch. As yeah. They would love to have you. They are looking for uh, people to run their own booths or their own tables. Uh, They're looking for volunteers uh, to help in any way whatsoever. Um, and yeah. now... Now. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. So from a tweet courtesy of the Bicycle San Antonio uh, Rivered Report, we have Cyclopalooza, San Antonio's first DIY bike festival. Uh, this festival features community-led bike rides, bike-friendly events, bike races, and bike shows throughout October, beginning in the Wild Dogs costume ride on Friday the 13th and culminating in the Ciclovia on October Ciclovia. on October 27th, or excuse me, October 22nd. Happening twice a year, Ciclovia is a day-long festival at which Broadway Street and I'm going to butcher this one, a park beginning with the name of M at, <laughs> to the Alamo Plaza uh, will be closed to motor vehicles and turned over into bike and pedestrian traffic. But you can't take your bike to the basement you of can't. the Alamo. Darn it. <laughs> uh, bike San Antonio is a new local nonprofit, well, local to San Antonio, that serves a unified and inclusive voice for cyclists according to its mission statement and recently released a calendar of cycling events in the community. Biking enthusiasts are invited to post their own cycling events throughout Cyclopalooza. This Ooh, is yeah. so great. Yeah, it's great um, to see that happening as well. It's really, I think it's it's really tempting for me to compare to compare it to things that I, that have been happening here. Hmm. So I won't do that, but I will say it's really cool to see that other cities are are doing these things. Indeed. Have you had any exposure with San Antonio's? Uh, bike culture or not had the chance to do that okay uh, at all but that's really cool what Indeed. they're doing there yeah 
So if you find yourself near San Antonio, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. let us know. Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> uh, next up, this came from uh, Peabot's news blog, uh, Peabot being uh, the Portland Bureau of Transportation. And uh, this is their youth-designed bike lane art hits the streets of Portland. Have you seen some of these? I haven't. I feel like That's I saw something cool. similar in um, Reykjavik when we were traveling there. But oh, really? Yeah, there was, and and I'll I'll let you go through it, but it, I I have not seen it here in Portland. Okay, uh, so yeah, this past May, this past May, uh, Peabot and Multnomah County Library, with support of Metro, invited students living in Multnomah County from pre-kindergarten to twelfth grade to design bike lane art for Portland's Bikes to Book Month. For years, Portlanders have enjoyed the smile-inducing bike lane art designed by oh, Peabot yes, Striping I have seen Crews. These. Yep, and the designs were now uh, put permanently on the streets. And I'll come over to this tab, and here are the winners, like with their actual bike art. Nice next to them. Yes, I definitely have seen a few of these. Yeah, these are pretty cool. Ooh, that's a great one. Yeah, the the Portland flag uh, as a as a bike show was pretty awesome. Um, there was another. Oh, that's cool. This one's really neat because check it out. So <laughs> for those of you who aren't viewing this, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine so, <laughs> somewhere in, in the head. It's, yeah, it's this, uh, um, and I'll, I'll see if I can't post copies of this. It's uh, a cyclist and then breaking through, you know, sort of like a finishing line tape. But what I really like about this is they kept the speed lines on the mm-hmm. on the art. Like hmm. the kid oh, who drew yeah. it, yeah, yeah, like yeah. drew these little speed Where- lines. And so then whoever put it on the actual road with the uh, the hmm. thermoplast. That's some pretty, uh, yeah. that's dedication right yeah, there. Yeah, actually kept the speed lines on there. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. Um, I'm glad like these kids sort of got to see their art come to life. Indeed. Um, next up. Let's... From Streets Blog, we have Wisconsin decides it can live without $1.1 billion of highway widening after all, which sounds pretty great. I think so. Um, Policymakers are losing their appetite to follow through on Wisconsin's highways ambitious ambitions. Uh, Prodded by civil rights and environmental activists who took the state to court. (laughs) Wisconsin is no longer pursuing one of the more wasteful and destructive projects on its road expansion agenda, the $1.1 billion widening of I-94 through Milwaukee. Uh, The suit against Wisconsin's Department of Transportation contends that the highway would exacerbate the region's, quote, hyper-segregation by prioritizing the travel of wealthier suburban car commuters over the quality of life in the majority Mm. black and Latino neighborhoods at the highway by sex. Mm -hmm. This is very interesting because uh, here in Portland, we're kind of contesting. Yeah, firing up for our own battle here. Yeah, with a uh, kind of a uh, $1 billion highway expansioning project. The funny thing is about this one is in Portland, it's kind of being sold to us as... A, uh, a neighborhood rejuvenation project. Yeah, Did Ted you Wheeler. Catch some of this. Yeah, so Ted Wheeler. I, our, I, I can't quite our mayor, tell. Yes, our mayor who could. And <laughs> uh, I think that possibly some of it was just marginally taken out of context. But he had a very fiery interview on um, 
what think is it out talk loud. out yeah think out loud on opb and in that he stated that it was uh bringing back communities of color to these areas and and would serve as a revitalization and please don't quote me on that because that is not his direct <laughs> quote but the essence of it was um well no for, this is what this yeah, is yeah, yeah this is how people took it anyways it, it, exactly and so uh you know those scratching their heads uh who are listening it, it was it was interesting to hear um that perspective when the project if you break it down and look at it doesn't doesn't seem to be doing much of that at all right and historically highways have served only to to divide, divide and separate yeah. We, we yeah albina included and and many others close <laughs> yeah. near close by or near to us um so so it will be an interesting thing to continue following there's recently in the past week or so been an activist group that has um sort of formed around opposition to this widening project and i don't have the information with me but we could probably post on the show notes if anybody the is interested no more freeways that's correct yes yes um yeah. interested I've, in becoming part of that i've been following them pretty closely um ODOT had a survey up. Oregon yep. Department of Transportation had a survey up for a little while. It actually just ended yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, kind of asking the public uh, what their opinions and, and what their direction could or should be. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they they heed or take any of these suggestions to heart is up to them. But sure. um, No More Freeways really was post like trying really hard to uh, post that in as many places as they can to get people who are opposed to this heard. Yep. And also organized. Yep. So it brings us to that wonderful part of the segment with my favorite sounder. Well, we got one more headline. Oh, shoot. We do. (laughs) And it is from Brock Didis via Bike Portland guest post, My Day as a Portland public schools bus driver Uh, so driving in the city to transport special needs students on a school bus requires a lot of patience and concentration i always travel more slowly than i would in my personal automobile and i keep an eye out for people on bicycles or in crosswalks as i make wide turns around the corners of intersections this year my route takes me into the hillside neighborhood that i first explored while riding durand and i was not and I'm not sure if riding my bike up to Piddock Mansion or negotiating narrow streets in a large vehicle is the greater challenge. Uh, I will say that driving a bus is much harder. Than oh yeah, trying to, <laughs> I could trying imagine. to bike up to Piddock Mansion. Yep. <laughs> I I I haven't uh, biked up to Piddock Mansion in several years. In fact. Uh, because I kind of just don't go up into that part. Right. I, I would stand by you on that assessment, <laughs> having not also driven a bus myself. Uh, yeah, these streets, they're just not made for larger vehicles. And, I mean, honestly, I don't i don't mind that, per se, as a bus driver. But sure. um, in the meantime, uh, it, it, it does present its challenges. All right. Well, I guess from there, we move on to... Oh, you know what? We're supposed to segue. Like, should we do like the Brock segue? The Brock segue? You know, we may not have a bus with which to negotiate narrow streets. But what we do have. We got mail. Hey, we got mail. All right, go ahead. So from Jeremy Kitchen, who was kind enough to write in. Hey, y'all, love the show, and of course, but the one thing that has always bothered me is the terrible audio compression quality of the produced MP3. I have known for a long time that it was bad, but I just looked, and it's 48 kbps. (gasps) Gasp! 48 kilobytes per second! (laughs) 
That's uh, dial-up speeds there, 1. friends. 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what your bandwidth costs are and the details of your deal with your podcast host, but I would really love a higher quality compression file, like at least 192 <laughs> kbps. The difference in sound quality would be a huge, 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 huge difference. Anywho, uh, love all that you're doing and will miss Brock on the show, but it makes sense to take a break, and I look forward for what's to come. Yay! Well, we look forward to you continuing to listen, Jeremy, and yeah. uh, we are continuing to evaluate audio compression, so we're <laughs> following a thread there, but I, I, I would say, uh, without stating plainly, we I'm, can probably do a little something you, okay. here. <laughs> I'm interested where you're going with this. Where, where <laughs> I'm going is uh, I would love to look into it this week and okay. uh, thank you for prompting us with this email. It sounds like... You're uh, definitely more tech savvy than I am. For for sure. We'll, we'll take a look there and um, my, my promise to you is that it will be evaluated <laughs> and uh, we'll work with Brock and Aaron here to see if we can make something a little bit more crisp on the audio spectrum sure. happen. And so I'll, I appreciate you writing us. I'll admit I have no idea like what our bandwidth costs are. Yeah either <laughs> I, I don't know could... i'm just a guy on a microphone <laughs> all that other stuff is taken care of by someone else um but i, I also... do you want it in lossless do you want it in flag right. well we have, i also uh... wanted to open it up like to our our listeners this is the first time anyone's ever ever brought this up as a as an issue but you know the way i the way i see it if one person brings it up there's you know probably other people who are certainly thinking that yeah so um <clears throat> and for anyone the... who's listening like please let us know like what the quality is maybe we should bump it up to a higher bandwidth and certainly um and it sounded yeah. like we've been going off of a broadcast standard for public radio uh but yes. if, if that is we, not good enough using... for the folks at sprocket podcast <laughs> we'll, we'll look into it there sure. thanks for writing jeremy sure. yeah thank you um and this from ranger tom um so we've talked about Biketober. If you happen to live or work in Washington, there is another bike walk or uh, other contest for your commute. It's called Wheel Options, and Ranger Tom turns us on to this. Wheel Options encourage employees to reduce their drive-alone trips and explore new ways of getting to work. Log in or register to explore all your commute options and possibly find a better way to get to work with your newly found commute. You'll be all set to participate and track your saved slash shared commutes during the Wheel Options campaign. For more information, contact your employee transportation coordinator or visit other pages on that site. Um, and Ranger Tom says, no need to do anything way out there. Just riding the bus or walking to work a few times in October qualifies for prizes. Also, may reduce the effects of stout on your ass. <laughs> Please consider sharing with your <laughs> devoted listeners. And yes, we definitely have shared. Thank you for turning us on to that, Ranger Tom. From Todd G. On the last show, Brock if asked if I received sick stickers. I have not. I will keep an eye on the mail. The Brompton and my other six bikes will certainly enjoy being adorned with whatever you have to send. By the way, Aaron, are you still with La Arch? Kind of. <laughs> uh, that is where my daughter met you. Funny, I was a fan of your show before my daughter moved to Portland. Small world. Best days, gentlemen. Todd G. Yes. Actually, it was kind of an interesting moment. Um, so, I, yeah, I was a co-worker of, of Todd's daughter. Okay. And uh, it was like a week or so before I made the connection. Like, she's from D.C. or the D.C. area. Um, 
and he is from you know there and like i made this it took me a while to make the connection but in the meantime he had painted these portraits of brock and i um from i don't know if you remember from I've previous seen those yes, i think yes. I, I i think i in fact requested a print of those portraits <laughs> at the time <laughs> yes and so um, those are pretty great we should definitely show note those it was like in the middle of dinner where i finally made this connection and like kind of blurted out in the middle of eating your dad painted a picture of me she's like what are you talking about <laughs> it, was, it was pretty funny i guess that brings us to the end of all things robert thank you so much for coming. my pleasure i really enjoyed it well i think what you guys are doing is really great oh so, thanks yeah, yeah. <laughs> and best of travels thank yeah. you thank you the sprocket podcast is produced at stream pdx community audio studio thanks to the generous support of open signal our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at sprocketpodcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Kurt Bird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Logan Wood, Shadowfoot, Katharina Mellengard. Is Logan Smith, Wayne Norman, Doug Robertson, Ethan Georgie, Justin Martin, Eric Iverson, Cameron Lee, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Whites, Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt, who's a time traveler, Zoe Campagna, Dave Knows, Chris Smith, Christy Kaster, Caleb Jenkinson, JP Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar, Matt, Patrick Archain, Sebastian Poole, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, I'll see you later. John Wasserman, Andre Johnson, King of Division. Josh Zisson, Richard G. Guthrie Straw, who's right here. Hello. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and the founder of The Regrainery. Campsite, Mac Nurse David. Kathy at Cycling, Walking, Eating, Talking. Nathan Poulton, Chris Rawson, Rory in Michigan. Michael Flournoy, Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay. Taunt Tim Coleman, Mr. T, Harry Hugel. Ed Whitman, EJ Finner, and Paul Culbertson. That's your real name. Brad Hipwell, Thomas Scatto, Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Derek Wagner, Jason Offenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore, Dennis O'Brien, Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, and of course, Chris Barron. Sean Baird, Simon Gregory, uh, should be, oh, Simon Gregory Braithwaite. Ryan Morrow, and to all of our former donors who've helped us get this far. We look forward to joining you for many episodes in to come. And for now, brush your teeth and go to bed. 